0: How good are you at raising money? Craig Tooman is pretty good at it. In his career, he's raised eight and a half billion dollars. How did he do it?
1: To me, the most powerful thing you can have is is a map maker by your side um, and somebody really helping guide you through all types of different situations.
0: I'm Irene Silber with the Vanguard Network. Craig Tuman is CEO of Silence, a pharmaceutical company that is developing therapeutics using technology very similar to MNRA technology, the basis of the COVID vaccines. For a long time, Tuman was a CFO, but when he talks about his career, it's not the financials he focuses on, but the people. He recently sat down with the Vanguard Network founder and president Ken Banta to talk about leading companies through uncharted territory.
2: I've heard other people say, Craig, that uh, you are a kind of an innovator CEO. Uh, What do you think they mean by that? Or what might you mean by that when you think about the way you operate?
1: You know, innovation to me takes so many different forms. You have the technical innovation, you know, the. R&D and how you're differentiated in the molecules and the chemistry and the linkers. Um, we saw this at Enzon where, where I was CFO, certainly had a linker uh, technology uh, that was very proprietary and uh, grew that business for years. Um, at ILX Oncology, for example, it's a very interesting story to me. That was a, a CRO when I arrived, um, in essence, doing research for other people Other companies and a cost plus model. And my first project was to take that entire company model and turn it into doing our own drug development as opposed to doing it for others. And so your margins are much different than the cost plus 25%, for example. It it can become cost plus you know 80%. And so just a very different um, model. And we did that. And what we found in an oncology company named ILEX Oncology. Uh, Once we did that, we actually found one of our oncology products worked in multiple sclerosis, a monoclonal antibody, (laughs) which was very uh, atypical. No one was doing that. Now you'll see that sort of thing more frequently Um, and also in solid organ transplant. So me, the innovation was realizing that, you know, your technology or your product even worked in an entirely new field. And, and the business innovation of changing what was a CRO to a proprietary business. A combination of those two turned that company into a company that Genzyme wanted and, and paid many multiples um, on that to acquire it. So, you know, innovation to me can just mean so many different things. It can be marketing, intellectual property, business, you know, uh, science. And uh, honestly, um, I think the only way really to move forward is to keep your ears open for all of those types of technologies you're building your business, because one never knows.
2: Craig, um, leaders could uh, almost be summarized or leadership as risk versus opportunity um, and balancing taking or avoiding risks and taking risks. Uh, How do you look at that, especially in a really tough economic environment when a lot of CEOs might simply hunker down?
1: Yeah, especially right now, I have to say my natural bias is to really, um, with my early training being in economics and and CFO roles, um, I have a lot of that risk uh, bias in me, uh, audit committees and things of this nature that I've served on for boards. Um, But I will say, as you move into the CEO role, you have to mix that uh, with the opportunity for growth and constantly be thinking about the opportunity for growth. Uh, for shareholders long term. But it is a balance because these markets are, you know, um, not real um, rewarding for, for for companies that are trying to, you know, look at, at growth right now for the long term. They're really more focused on the shorter term.
2: There's a word that uh, I know you've used to describe how you think about things, which is cartographer. That's uh, an interesting word for a CEO to use, but I know it means something to you. What do you mean by that uh, when you think of yourself as a a kind of business cartographer?
1: Yeah, so to me, the most powerful thing you can have is is a map maker by your side um, and somebody really helping guide you through all types of different situations. Uh, I've been fortunate in my career to have uh, people around me that are really good at it. And I served that role uh, for many years as a CFO um, and helping CEO successfully manage through situations. And you have to have optionality, you have to have um, an understanding of the marketplace you're in to really navigate through that. Um, And so that whole idea of, you know, uh, being on a ship and really knowing uh, where you're going and having that map maker with you is so crucial. And there are a lot of risks. Um, There are a lot of risks that you can see, and then there are a lot of risks that you can't see. And so when you really get adept at it, I find, um, it's the anticipation of some of those risks that can really be helpful. And what you'll find is often the biggest challenges arise in areas that you're not looking at and you're not prepared for. But if you're mapping across um, your business, you're more likely I find to, to discover those yourselves before somebody else discovers them. And, and it really helps you navigate those, those waters.
2: That's yeah, it's a terrific uh, analogy. I like that a lot. Um, Craig, you've said uh, often that, it, in the end, it, it is all about the people. Uh, tell us how you are uh, helping your people to uh, add the most value, have the most uh, valuable careers, especially in a very tough environment.
1: It is a very, very tough environment, and it's—it's it's, so many people I talk to are going through similar things. I find it's almost a personal connection that I want to have with employees and with people because it is so personal right now. Um, After the pandemic, the notion of what motivates somebody has changed, Um, the work from home notion, um, the the things that people wanna do that to them are meaningful that may not have been meaningful a year or two ago. Uh, People that are trained in science may actually wanna wake up and try something different. And I get these requests once or twice a, a week, honestly, from employees that say, "Hey." have you thought of me in a little different role? Um, I'm thinking about things like, should I bring somebody who's very talented in the UK and have them come to the US and work alongside us um, so that they actually get that exposure? I take people into boardrooms so that I can give them a little bit of experience um, as key employees so they can see how that whole dynamic works. It's not every time, you can't do that every time, you have to respect the boardroom, but there are presentations that occur that I think people can can really uh, get exposure to that's helpful to them. So it's very personal. I try to listen as much as I can. We're all so busy, um, but try to find what it is that motivates people and give them the opportunity to self-actualize.
2: Craig, tell us a little bit about um, Gen Z and uh, your environment. Everybody uh, in the CEO positions that I've talked to has got this on their mind in terms of either Uh, that this uh, generation is a problem or a solution or both. But how do you see the Gen Z uh, mindset and how do you work with Gen Zs in in your environment? Yeah, you know,
1: uh, some very, very great contributions, smart um, people. Look, it it is a group just in a a decade or two decades of um, people that, you know, thinking may not be what we view as traditional and what motivates them may not be viewed as traditional but to me, it's really more the evolution um, that's occurring. And if you look at some of the contributions for those people in science, I mean, I have some young people in working in chemistry in the labs that are just unbelievably talented and what drives them is just slightly different. I think also, if you look at um, some of the technology and, and PR, et cetera, that occurs, um, it's fantastic contributions from some of the, the young people. So. Again, I think it's what motivates them and how that uh, can work for you as a company and that intersection that you find with them. But it's highly personal. I can't say that that group, for example, is exactly that way and motivationally driven. It really is that person. Um, and And I find the more you have time to spend time with that individual and find out what motivates them, the more you get back out. And I wish they were just more
2: hours in the day. Uh, You've seen uh, a lot of leaders uh, in your time, uh, some good and some not so great. Tell us uh, what you see happens when things are going wrong. What's the most uh, fundamental issue that is occurring when things go wrong? And then uh, I'd love to hear from you about what you see when things are going right with leadership.
1: You know, wrong for me over a longer period of time has just been um, kind of singular thinking and more demanding that this is the only way or this is the way mm-hmm. um, and by you know fewer people I mean I find that over a period of time so many great ideas come from all different places and a, and a lot can be garnered from trying to harness that as a group and as a team there are time periods and we're in one of those time periods now where you know some of that is narrowed just by virtue of the things that you have to get done in the time period that you have to get it done um, and so you're a little bit narrower in your, your thinking and your ability to, to grow the business, I find, um, for the long term. But that usually is a short-term phenomenon. So um, my preferred way of working is really to get a team around you that's empowered, um, to really harness the ideas, and really have people sit in each other's chairs and really think through how we could do this together and steer through things and and ultimately grow the business. I like that model a lot better. I very often say to people when I'm having a dialogue that gets stuck or or gets a little bit challenging, um, and people will tell you this about me, I say, okay, wait a minute, let's switch chairs. All right, you be me and I'll be you. And you think through what I'm having to deal with, and I'll think through what you're having to deal with. And that perspective change is really very fascinating to me because when somebody really changes their position and looks at it from your vantage point, um, it sometimes breaks through, you know, what they weren't understanding before.
2: Along those lines, uh, again, having seen a lot of, uh, a lot of leaders, who, uh, who jumps out at you as uh, a leader or leaders who you really admire from either the past or the present? I have incredible
1: admiration for Fred Hassan. I have, since I worked so closely with Fred back at Pharmacia. Um, You know, I I met Fred in, you know, the days before he was really super well known on Wall Street and as his uh, IR person just had a lot of fun over a period of time, um, helping Fred execute and being known for execution for all the incredible things he had been accomplishing for many years prior to Pharmacia. Um, but may not have been as well known for that. But clearly as he came to pharmacy as the leader, um, all of that came to, to bear. And his, his awareness of, of people and how to motivate people, his backgrounds in both chemistry and business, you know having both uh, of those sides just made him an extremely effective leader. And I think he's one of the greatest pharmaceutical leaders of all time. Not because he's writing books and on Squawkbox, but I watched him. I just find as a change agent um, and as a deep understanding, uh, someone with a deep understanding of pharmaceuticals, uh, Fred ranks right up there as one
2: of my favorites. Let's see, we touched on a lot of stuff, Greg. Anything you want to add or anything? I mean, we missed something, of course, but is there anything you'd really like to touch on that we didn't talk about?
1: Gosh, Ken, I can't think of anything. I mean, honestly, as long as we're all healthy and we're continuing to work in this healthcare sector, which is so fascinating and so fast moving. Um, I'm a happy person. and I've never seen, for example, anything like the, the COVID race. It was really fascinating to see what happened in such a short period of time. Um, and of course, you saw companies arise like Moderna that was not a household name. I don't think, you know, before that whole situation, of course now everyone knows Moderna. So I think the whole notion of what what can be a play and what can be uh, a treatment during a period of pandemic, is just fascinating. And you know, it won't be the last. So to be in the healthcare field for me is really the spot to be. That was Craig Tooman, CEO
0: of Silence, speaking with Ken Banta at a recent Vanguard Dialogue. Vanguard Dialogues and podcasts like this one are just some of the membership benefits of the Vanguard Network, which organizes events, publishes content, and connects C-suite leaders. Our mission is building high-performance leadership. If you'd like more information about us, please visit our website at thevanguardnetwork.com. I'm Irene Silber. Thanks for listening.